No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. It had been over a year since the children of Israel had left Egypt, and now they were at the border of the Promised Land. Moses sent 12 men to spy out the land and bring back some of its fruit. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Numbers chapter 13 on Simply the Bible. You've heard it said seeing is believing, but is that really true? God has told the children of Israel that he would bring them into the promised land. He would send the hornet before them and drive out the inhabitants of the land. He would give them an exceedingly good land, a land of milk and honey. All that was required was that they believe. Already the Lord had been going before them, guiding their every step with a cloudy pillar by day and the fiery pillar by night. They had visible evidence that God was with them. He had defeated Pharaoh and his army by parting the Red Sea and allowing Israel to escape unharmed. And when the Egyptian army followed them, he drowned them all. The Lord was a man of war. Truly, the children of Israel had nothing to fear because he was with them. But they wanted to see for themselves. We pick it up in Numbers chapter 13. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. Now, the question is, whose idea was it to send the spies into Canaan? If we only had this account, then we would conclude that it was God's idea. But Deuteronomy 1.20 gives us the rest of the story. As Moses recounted the events of the past 40 years, he said, And I said to you, you have come to the mountains of the Amorites from the Lord, uh, which the Lord our God is giving us. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. And every one of you came near to me and said, let us send men before us and let them search out the land for us and bring back word to us of the way by which we should go up and of the cities into which we shall come. The plan pleased me well, so I took 12 of your men, one man from each tribe. Now, if we put these two accounts together, we can infer that the idea to send the spies came from the people. Moses thought it sounded like a good idea and God allowed it. I do believe in both the perfect will of God and the permissive will of God. I believe that there are things God will grant in answer to our pleas, sort of like what you do as a parent when your kids keep whining and complaining and asking for Captain Crunch, and finally you give in. But they aren't necessarily the best things for us. We saw this in Numbers chapter 11, where in response to Israel's craving for meat, God sent them an abundance of quail. But Psalm 106.13 gives us the commentary on this. They soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. And he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. 
Sadly, when we crave something bad enough and God grants us what we desire, it often brings leanness to our soul. I have a friend named John, and he prays that God would keep him from what he calls the Hezekiah prayer. He's referring to when God sent Isaiah to tell King Hezekiah that he was going to die, so he needed to put things in order. King Hezekiah pled with the Lord to spare his life. God heard his prayer and gave him 15 more years. But in that time, Hezekiah gave birth to Manasseh, who turned out to be the most wicked king of Judah. And in his pride, Hezekiah foolishly showed the Babylonians all the treasuries of Judah. Later, the Babylonians would come and conquer Judah and capture the people. In retrospect, Hezekiah and all of Judah would have been much better off to stick with God's original plan. Verse 3, So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. Now, 10 of the 12 who were selected are not particularly meaningful to us, so I'm not going to read all their names and, and their father's names. Not only that, but they're really hard to pronounce. However, two of the 12 are meaningful to us. Caleb, the son of Jephane, who was from the tribe of Judah, and Hoshea, the son of Nun, who was from the tribe of Ephraim. Verse 16, these are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, and Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Now, Hoshea means salvation. The commentator Matthew Henry points out that it is a prayer, meaning you save. But Joshua is a contraction of Yahweh is salvation or Yahweh saves. This simple change turned his name from a prayer to a promise. It would be a constant reminder to Joshua and to everybody else that Yahweh would save them. But the real beauty of this name change is that Joshua, or Yoshua, as the Hebrews would pronounce it, is the equivalent of Jesus in the Greek. And it means the same thing, which is Yahweh is salvation, or Yahweh saves. Therefore, this simple name change was extremely important in Joshua's day in encouraging this future leader of Israel, who would be the conqueror to bring the people into the promised land, and in picturing the salvation of Jesus Christ, who brings every believer into the promised land of a blessed relationship with God. It is a promise. Yahweh saves. It is interesting to note that these 12 men who were chosen were not the tribal leaders. They were selected from each tribe as representatives. I wonder by what criteria that they were chosen. Joshua was Moses' assistant and had won a battle against the Amalekites. We can understand why the people of Ephraim would select him. He would be a good choice to represent them and assess the vulnerabilities of the enemy. As for Caleb, this is the first time in Scripture that we're introduced to him. But soon we will see that he was a strong and courageous leader with the heart of a warrior. We can understand why the people of Judah would select him. As for the other ten, I think it's a safe assumption that they possess the physical characteristics and perhaps the military skills 
to make up a good reconnaissance team. But were they men of faith? That was the big question. Verse 17. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell is in good, it's good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So Moses gives them the commission before he sends out the spies and he tells them basically four things. First, spy out the land. Go from the south up into the mountains and find out, is the land rich or poor? In other words, is it fertile or barren? Are there forests or not? And the forests would be important strategically from a military standpoint. And then secondly, to go spy out the people. Are they strong or are they weak? Are they few or are they many? What are their cities like? Do they live in unwalled camps or do they live in walled strongholds? So this was the thing, the third thing that he told them to do. The fourth thing was he said to be of good courage. I'm sorry, the third thing. (laughs) Third thing was be of good courage. This was not only to encourage the 12 spies to be brave in the execution of their commission, but also to have courage that God would give them the land that they saw. And then lastly, to bring back some of the fruit. This would be evidence that indeed God was bringing them into an exceedingly good land. When they would bring back a bunch of the fruit of the land, then they would see God was bringing them into a land of milk and honey, an exceedingly good and fruitful land. We are told that it was the season of first ripe grapes which would place this about in the time of August. Verse 21. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehab, near the entrance of Hamath. And they went up through the south and came to Hebron, Ahiman, Shishai, and Talmai. The descendants of Anak were there. Now, Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshkel, And there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eshkel because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now Hebron was near the field of Machpelah where Abraham, Sarah, Rebekah, Isaac, Leah, and Jacob were all buried. It is interesting that now this Hebrew sacred burial grounds was guarded, as it were, by the descendants of Anak, giants who were at least nine feet tall. They cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes that was so large they had to carry it between two of the men on a pole. Imagine a cluster of grapes that big. And they named the place Eshkel, which means cluster. I'm told that even today, clusters as large as 12 to 20 pounds grow in this fertile valley. So after 40 days of reconnaissance, the 12 spies returned to Moses and the children of Israel. But what kind of report would they give? I have another friend 
Gene is his name. One of his favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. He's always quoting this verse at our men's prayer meeting. And I'm thankful for it because it's a good reminder. It's easy for us to walk by sight. It's the most natural thing for us to do. If we can see everything coming together in the material world, then we believe. But is that faith? We are told in Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So you've heard it said that seeing is believing. That's fine if the tangible evidence is there. Then it's easy to believe. But what do you do when the tangible evidence is not there and all you have is God's word? You see, the truth is that believing is seeing. When we believe God and his promises, when we believe that he's able to bring us into the land of promise, when we believe that men may fail us, but God will never fail us, then we can see his way even through the darkest night. The challenge always is to put God between us and the circumstances that we see. Tomorrow, we will see that while 12 spies saw the same things, 10 formed a majority report, but two formed a minority report that was altogether different. The difference wasn't in the facts themselves, but in how they interpreted the facts. May God help us see all things through eyes of faith in the one with whom nothing is impossible. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com, click on Program Archives, and scroll down to Simply the Bible. Tomorrow, we'll see what happened when the 12 spies returned with their report. It is a most important lesson in the high cost of unbelief. We hope you'll join us tomorrow as we continue in the book of Numbers on Simply the Bible. 